If you're visiting with us this morning, here's what we've done. Uh, just typically in our Sunday school class for the adults, we give a variety of different class options that they can pick. And usually there's about five or six. But what we have opted coming just off of COVID and just starting this class is I wanted to do a seminar that we do about once every several years that's very, very practical dealing with the idea of dealing with the loss of a loved one. We've been talking about what if there's a major illness, what do we do? What about a variety of different things that deal with it? I know it's morbid, and I know that this is not something real positive when you come to church and we're talking about dying and death, but it is a reality of life. It is a part of our life. It is pointed out to man once to die, and after that the judgment. We're going to face it. Unless the Lord intervenes by coming back and rapturing us, which he could come back today, uh, unless that happens, we're going to have death in our own life. We're going to have death in our family. We'll have to deal with it with parents. Some of us have dealt with that with parents. As I shared with you, my father passed away just a few weeks ago. We all of a sudden were unexpectedly dealing with that. Others of you, one of our families just this week, a grandchild passed away. Uh, we've had uh, different individuals, different situations. Unexpectedly, you wake up in the morning and by the time you go to bed, there's something that could have happened in your family that you're going to be dealing with. Well, there's a passage that helps us out that we talked about last week. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, talks about this idea that there hath no temptation trial taken you, but such as is common to man. In other words, the difficulties we face, we're not the only one, no matter what the difficulty is. But God is faithful, that's, that's huge. God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. God knows you so well, he will not let a trial or tribulation come into your life that you cannot handle at this moment, at this point. And not only will he, uh, will he not overdo you, but will with the temptation also make a wake of escape. We think that means get away from it. Literally, the word is to go through it a way of handling it so that you may be able to bear it. And so just like the men went into the fiery furnace, the Lord went with them. Just as Daniel went into the lion's den, the Lord didn't prevent those things, but he helped them to be able to go through the event. And so some of the event may be even going through the process of dying. Some of it may be even going through the process of dealing with the loss of a loved one. It could be a cancer. It could be a disease. It could be some type of trial or tribulation. The Lord is faithful in all the these things. So we've been talking about how do we approach this. And we've talked in the last, we've had three sessions. I'm not going to repeat things. I want to just start picking up where we left off. How do we handle major illness? We talked about that. What can we do for those who are going through such an experience? We'll talk about that. We were answering this question last week. Is it ever right to pull the plug on somebody to stop life support? And, uh, or stop medical treatments. And we had talked about suicide. Now let's just continue another thought here. Okay, the Bible, when it talks about, and I'm going to use the phrase pulling the plug. I know that sounds um, kind of crass, but that is a situation that many of you are going to be facing with family, with somebody, because we are in a world that the medical field is so good that they can, they can prolong life a whole lot more than what we are used to in generations ago. And so with that in mind, we're going to have to say, okay, when is it time? How do we know it's time? And so we said, keep these principles in mind. This is where we were ending up last time. When it comes to life, the Bible makes this comment that human life is good since God has created it. So those who would say, well, life isn't important. It is. It's a good thing. All life is valuable to God. 
even somebody who has an illness or a handicap, something that that life is valuable. God sustains the life. We understand that. We know that. Now, bioethics come in and say, okay, what about medicine sustaining it longer than what it did in the past? Here's another thought. Death, what does the Bible teach about it? God has the final say in this. Multiple verses that God knows our days. They are numbered. He understands all that. He's aware of all that. But we are appointed unto death. People often make this comment, if I were to die. What's wrong with that statement? The, the if, okay, as if it's not going to happen. And we, kinda, and, we, and we have people that are spending thousands of dollars with cryogenics and different things to say, okay, I want to preserve my body so I never die. Okay, that goes contrary to the scriptures. Okay, it's going to be happening for us. What about suffering? And this is a very pivotal doctrine, doctrinal thought for you when it comes to suffering because we in our country today, it's all about comfort. It's all about making sure that, that nothing changes in our life, that everything is staying the same, and that means everything is just going great all the time. And so here's the truisms about suffering. Not all suffering is bad. Suffering can be beneficial. We gave you a whole list of biblical reasons for that here a couple of weeks back. God's ultimate goal is not our comfort, but for our growth, for our holiness where we bring glory to him. And so sometimes God puts us in situations that are extremely uncomfortable. God gives us illnesses. God puts us in difficulties of house fires or crises or accidents. They're not evil. They're not always bad for us. They can be really profitable for us in our growth and our Christian life. All suffering, whenever it happens, we are to be exalting God. And so our goal is not to escape all difficulties in fact, let's, let's take it down to your parenting. Do you want your child to learn to walk? As a parent, is that normal you want your child to walk? Yes or no? Yes. Okay, then what's the chances that they might get up and fall down as they're learning to walk? About a thousand percent, okay. It is about a thousand percent they're going to get hurt at some time in this process of learning, yes or no? Okay, that's going to happen. And so you as a loving parent say, I don't want my child to get hurt. I'm going to carry my child all over. I'm, going to, I'm, I'm not going to pr- let, my, let my child have any bumps or bruises. What happens in the long run? Who do you hurt? The child. The child doesn't develop. And so in the same thing, God says, okay, bumps and bruises aren't always bad. They can be beneficial for us. And so I'll give you some bumps and bruises so that we grow in the Lord. And so that idea of that enduring the trials, this is science and medicine. We've made this comment already that they should and can be used. We've talked about biblical concepts of encouraging using science, a little wine for the stomach, the idea of anointing with the oil, that is to rub the oil in, the idea of of Hezekiah using a poultice, even though he's told he's going to be miraculously healed. He's used a poultice for the healing. And so medicines are good. There's nothing wrong with them. But again, they introduce a whole new bioethical question for us. And so one other thought, the stewardship of life. Stewardship of life is this, to take our own life as wrong or even to assist somebody in a premature act. It's wrong. When Saul, as we'll see in that study of David that we're doing, down the road, Saul tries to take his life, he fails, and then somebody else, tries to, uh, somebody else finishes him off, and that person is rebuked for finishing him off. Point is, stewardship of life is important. It gets us back to this principle, all life is valuable. All life. 
the life in the womb, the elderly person. Okay? However a society, I heard the comment made by one of our, our, uh, our national leaders, however a society treats their young and treats their, old, their elderly, that shows a lot about the society. And so we want to say biblically, hey, life in the womb, little on, that is valuable. Even seniors in their latter years, extremely valuable. Life is valuable. So with that in mind, we say, okay, what do we do here? Well, we don't want to circumvent God's working in our life or the life of loved ones. And this is a very difficult situation because as we get elderly, we cannot function the way that we want to function. We cannot do the things. Some of us will end up sitting in a chair and unable to do things. And we say, why doesn't God take us home? I'm not contributing the way I used to contribute. But you can still have value. You can still pray. You can still contribute. Your presence isn't a waste. God is still using those individuals. I appreciate a number of our seniors who are shut-ins. You, you want to really get value in life. Go and visit some of the shut-ins. They will challenge, encourage you, their spirit. Just They have a valuable asset to still contribute to lives. It's just that sometimes we in our busy society don't take advantage of visiting those people the way we ought to. And so we don't want to circumvent or seek to bring about death prematurely. And I made this comment because most all of us know that when you go into the hospital anymore, living wills are standard especially if you're doing surgeries, things of that sort. Be cautious, be careful, and being practical about it, let me just point out a couple thoughts here. Having someone spiritually responsible to help make the final decisions is very helpful. As well, just make sure things aren't done hastily. Just because you say, well, I, I, I don't want to continue living if I can't live the way I am right now. Really? What if, what if you became um, deaf in one ear? Does that mean your life is not valuable? What if a loved one, all of a sudden, they had, like one family is dealing with that has asked us for prayer. They have issues. They have to have an amputation today of their foot. Does that mean that person's life isn't valuable? Their life's going to change. Where do you cut off quality of life? Where do you stop that? If that's the case, if, and by the way, our society is trending this way. If people can't do what they used to do and they don't have the quality, if they have a handicap, then they're not valuable anymore. Let's cut off all medicines to them. Let's cut off all care for them. Do you really think that? Do we believe that? That, 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 that there's a tragic thinking that's going on that's devaluing life. And so it's a, it's a problem. Make sure your loved ones know, though. Make sure that they know. Talk with them. I know this is a morbid conversation for some, but let them know. If the Lord takes you home, you're ready. If you all of a sudden become totally incapacitated and there's, you know, the brain isn't going to function the way it, it used to function, et cetera, et cetera, let them know it's okay. Because, hey, what have you got to lose if you're a born-again Christian? And your life ends here. What have you got to lose? You gain everything. And so you have to be talking about this. Okay, let's talk about the when, when do you pull the plug? The answer is, come on, you've got to give an answer. You've got to say, how do we know when? We really don't know. Every case 
has, has exactly every case there. Let's let's make sure we have these two important questions that are very important when you're in the hospital and you're talking about this. The questions are: Are we prolonging life or preventing death? It is natural and normal for us to die. And that's not something evil. It is a process. It's not a fun process, but it's a process. Are we prolonging life or are we preventing life by hastening up death? And so in part of this discussion that you're going to have to have, you're going to have to be praying about it, you're going to have to get full medical input. And you get the advice of the doctors. And you talk with them. You find out about what about brainwave activity. We had a situation years ago. I don't know if any of you would remember this. It's so many years ago. We had a situation where a young woman in her 30s had all of a sudden a major heart issue and a major problem with a blood vessel breaking in the brain. And as a result, the young lady went into a spot where she was totally non-functional totally non-functional. All the tests indicated that all the brain activity was going down, 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 down to the very point that the only thing that was available and being able to monitor anymore was the very, very spot where it was just the autonomic nervous system. And yet it was extremely hard for the family to say, we, you know, this, it, it, she's not recovering even though there's, 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 uh, there's no brainwave activity and we've discussed it, we talked with it, and we uh, try to encourage a certain way. And as a result, finally, finally things just took a natural course over several days. But it was very apparent that she had already... And the question is, did she expire? But it was very obvious by all the medical conditions. By the way, when you go in the hospital and you want to get an update on a loved one who's in ICU or something like that, usually we wait for the doctors. You know who usually has a lot more information about how they're doing? Yeah, talk to the nurses. Okay, talk to the nurses. Try to consider all the immediate family needs. Don't be hasty, but also consider other family members. Get the spiritual counsel. Consider the person's spiritual status. Also, when you make the decision, and here's where most of you will be, you'll make the decision. Don't second-guess yourself. You made the decision. Let's move on. Let's move on. Don't second-question the other people's if, if all of a sudden a parent had to make the decision. Don't create unnecessary guilt. Move on through this. Say goodbye to the loved one, and then you move into the next phase of what you're dealing with. Let me, let me be even more uh, mundane, more practical, and even a little bit more morbid. What if you are a family member, or you're sitting there, and you've got a grandparent, a parent, somebody that you love, and they are in their last days? You are doing, we use the terms, a death watch. What can you expect? What might happen? Please listen to some of the things I'm going to say. Uh, they're going to go contrary to what, what we often think. Um, if you're in that situation, really, really thank God for hospice and for those, those organizations. Most every hospice group that we've worked with, and again, there's different groups in different areas, most every one of them, they are phenomenal. They will help out. They have limited resources. They can't do everything that you want. They can't, they will get to you as quickly as possible, but some of you would like them to be there 24-7 to watch with you. They can't. But they are usually extremely, extremely available. Uh, they'll come. They give you great advice. They give you lots of counsel. You can expect this, long draining hours. This will be an extremely emotional, uh, draining time. Um, you're going to be tired. It's easy to get frustrated. Um, your life goes on hold. And for some, it could be days. 
For some, it could be weeks. And it becomes extremely difficult. You're, you're, you're trying to figure out, and you're talking with hospice, and you say, and here, here's questions that, you, if you've not been there, those of you who've been there know that, that what I'm saying is accurate. But if you've not been there, you're, you're, you're kind of approaching this, and you say, when will they die? That's a common question. How much time do we have left? Why is that? Because we want to prepare. We want to know what's happening. And the, que- the answer is, it's all different. We don't know. Well, there are signs, there are indications that it's getting closer and closer, but some people will survive longer. Some people will go quicker. But it's extremely hard on the, the family emotionally because you're sitting there and, and, and you're going through this and you're not sure, should I leave? And, and, and what's going to happen for, for some people if they step out? They're afraid all of a sudden they step out and the loved one expires and they'll feel guilty that they weren't there. And so it's, a, it's all the up and downs. There's going to be some awkward moments. All of a sudden you're dealing with hygienic situations. You're dealing with body function situations that this could be a parent that creates awkwardness for some. This could be a, a brother or sister. This creates awkwardness when, when you're, excuse me for being so blunt, you're changing diapers. This gets difficult. But this is part of serving. This is part of ministering. This is a part of taking care. There's going to be some unwarranted guilt at times. That idea that we need to be there 24-7. You don't need to be there 24-7. If your family needs you, you need to take a break. But again, your family's going to be on hold too. And so there's this, this issue. Here's, here's one that frequently comes up. Are we giving enough medication to keep them comfortable? Because all of a sudden, if there's, if there's a situation where the medicine is trying to wear out, you don't want that person to be uncomfortable in distress. And so you're working through this, and most of us are not medical people. We don't understand the dosages as well as the medical people do, but they're in our home, or we're we're providing the care, and and we've got to keep up with this. Do remember that one of the, the senses that function longer is they can hear you. Please be cautious of what you're saying. Don't start dividing their property while they're sitting there. Don't get into family feuds. Okay, they can hear, they can, I, I shared with you when my mother was in her final days a couple of years ago in August that um, she was in the hospital. We thought that, everybody thought that she was out and there was comments being made and all of a sudden my mom just out of the clear blue said, I can hear you. Okay, that happens. People can hear. By the way, if they can hear you, what should you do? Talk to them. Talk to them. What else can you do that might be comforting for a believer? Sing songs. Now, maybe for some of you that won't be comforting to them. Okay. <laughs> Sing songs. Read scripture. Talk about, the, talk about some good memories. Talk about how you appreciate them. Okay, and use that. It is amazing to me. It is amazing to me how many times this happens when somebody is in these final stages and we go there and we do some singing and they can't sing, but they're mouthing the words. They can't communicate in other ways, but they can mouth the words of, 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 of the hymns or they can, they can quote scripture with you. I am, I am absolutely dumbfounded how often this happens and we sit there and we read some scripture and all of a sudden they're finishing the verses. It's amazing, but it tells you what their heart is. And it's sweet. It can be sweet. Rotate with mem- family members. As much as you say, well, I need to be there all the time, let other family members engage if they can. 
and then you get some rest because if you wear out, whew, that's tough. Take breaks, okay, that are helpful. Let others have a part in this too. Uh, and again, this sounds morbid, but it's very, very important. You know this, let others help out. You're not imposing if they offered. Use the medications. And uh, the catch that they're going to tell you with hospice is keep ahead. Keep ahead. Don't let the medications wear all the way out. We have this sense. We have this sense that we are born-again believers. We don't want to become addicted. And that's true, we don't. So we want to really gut it out as much as possible. There's nothing wrong with taking pain medications when they're prescribed, when they're helpful. And as you're using the pain medications, try to keep ahead of the pain. Don't wait until it's totally exhausted because then it has to build back up. But keep ahead of it. Ask the hospice people. They'll give you great advice, but try to keep the person comfortable. Keep the family members informed if possible. That's usually, um, these two usually are issues that we have to try to intercede in. Let the, lo- let the loved one know. It's okay for you to go. Mom, Dad, it's okay. You know, you, you, we're fine, we're okay. To even say that to them, okay? Don't assume that the passing of every saved person will be glorious. And it's going to be beautiful. We have this concept, and it does happen. I've told you the story about the man that we led to the Lord years ago, and a bad, bad lifestyle, an alcoholic, a lot of family members, but got saved in his later years. And loved the Lord. Went into the hospital, and when he was in the hospital, um, he, was, he went in, said he had stomach pains, so they opened him up, they closed him up, and they said it's just a matter of days. Families all gathered in the room, and as he's ready to expire, all of a sudden, this man sat up in bed and said, they're here! The angels are here! And he had the biggest smile, fell back, and died. The family, many of them who were unsaved, just said, Wow! And God used it as a witness. That is wonderful. That is fabulous. That is great. My own dad, just a couple, a few weeks ago when he passed away, we don't know exactly what happened, whether he got up to go to the bathroom, came back from the bathroom, but he was found just slumped laying on his bed, apparently very quickly, without any discomfort. If we got to choose the way to go, that's the way to go. Okay? I'd rather be raptured, but that's the way to go. Okay? That doesn't always happen. Sometimes when people pass away, it's not a beautiful situation, even if they're saved. Sometimes people get, what words do I want to use? Agitated, violent, um, feisty. Sometimes when people, and again, I'm being really morbid, but I, I, I want you to be prepared. Some people, when they pass away, there's, um, there's expulsions from the body. And it's ugly. And doesn't smell good. And most people, when that happens, they are totally caught off guard. Please don't let you be those individuals. Be aware that sometimes in that process, it can be gross. And uh, that's, you know, death is, death is a gross situation. And so don't assume that they're saved, everything's going to be honky-dory, and everything's going to be glamorous and glorious. It, it does happen where it doesn't go that way. And that doesn't, that's not a reflection upon that person's spiritual character. That's not a reflection upon your spiritual character. It is the way the body may respond at times. 
It is the way the brain may respond at times without them knowing what they're doing and having lost control. And so some of those things do happen. And so be, just be prepared, okay? And don't be shocked. And sometimes, you know, that, that's what's going to happen. How to help those going through it. We're looking, we're saying, okay, here's a family that's sitting in, they're, they're in the death watch. We announce it from the pulpit. You hear about it. What do you do? What do you do? The majority of us just say, oh, we'll think about them. We'll think about them and we'll pray. That's what we should be doing. But there is more we could be doing. There, we could be reaching out and helping in some other ways. We could be doing these types of things beyond prayer. We could make ourselves available to help them out. To pick up the groceries. Do you, do you need anything picked up? Do you need, do you need because they're there. They're at, they're at that bedside. They might be the only loved one. They might be sparing, sharing between daughters or sisters and they're, they're exhausted after going 24-7 for several days, where you could just make a phone call and say, is there anything I could pick up at the store? How beneficial for them. How helpful. The, the cards of, I'm thinking of you, I'm praying for you. When I was visiting one of our men who just went through a situation, uh, Gary. Gary just went through a situation that was extremely difficult. And we told you about that. We mentioned with his neck surgery and the pain and the inability that he has to be able to walk normally right now and then thinking that he was losing his ability in his arms and went through the surgery and had a, just a horrific experience with uh, medicines afterwards and reactions against them. And so uh, ended up, the doctor said, you might be in rehab for two or three days, three weeks later. Okay, so all of this added up and it was a really distressing time. Do you know what he told me this week? Well, really, really one of the best things that, that God used in his life, it was your cards. He said, the cards that many of you sent that had notes, he said, I cried and I cried and it made such a difference and gave me hope. And it helps. Don't underestimate those things. And for, for Lord's sake, please don't be so busy. Don't say you're so busy. Here's, the, here's my frustration in ministry from me, and I'm, 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 I'm busting on you. Yeah, I'm not busting on you. Please understand where I'm coming from. Um, is when I go and visit people who are in these situations, and they get upset that others haven't reached out. And yet when I ask them the question, did you reach out when you had opportunity? Quite a few say, well, no, I'm, I was too busy. Isn't it amazing we are too busy to give a card, to reach out, to make a phone call, but when we're in the situation, what do we want others to do? We want them to reach out to us. We want them to be ministering to us, but we're too busy when things are okay in our life to reach out. And so you and I need to say, okay, we're not going to be like that. We're going we're to stop that trend, and we're going to be the, the group of people that is consistent in these things. Okay, please don't say this. Don't say this to people. Don't say to them, you know, this loss of your loved one is easy because they were sick. You know, never is a loss easy. Never. And you say, yes, well, they had time to think it through and prepare, but it still hits like a ton of bricks. Alan was sharing with me that a couple of you told him that when Barb expires, 
it's still going to be really, really difficult. And he thought to himself, he said, I thought this for weeks. I thought, you know, I, I know it's coming, I know it's coming, I know it's coming. And he says, but when it came, it was still like a Mack truck ran him over. And so don't, don't make these comments. Be careful. Let them know you appreciate the loved one. Tell them, let them know that your loved one was really special. Stop by and visit briefly. Offer to take a meal. Offer to spell them. And to say, just get away for an hour. Go out, you and your husband, you and your wife. Go out for a meal. Just to get out of the, the house where they're sitting or away from the hospital. And you provide just somebody there for them. How helpful. How beneficial it can be. Here's a question. Is it okay for Christians to donate their organs? The question that comes up is, 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 with this is, many people say, well, listen, uh, it's my body, it's in the Lord's care. If I give my organ to those individuals, is that okay? And somebody put it more succinctly. They carried it all the way through. If the rapture happens, and I donate in my eyes, <laughs> I'm not sure how to say this, okay? The person who got my organs... Are those organs raptured away from them? Okay. I can't picture that one, okay? How do you answer it? Yeah, all of you at the same time, okay. Any words of wisdom on this one? Is it right? Is it wrong? By the way, okay, let's take the first thing. Do you think if you gave away a body part, it's going to get raptured? I, I, I personally am just like, I don't think so. I think God can, when he, when he takes my body out of the ground, I think he can leave, you know, if, if anybody wanted anything I left behind. Okay, um, I think he's quite capable of taking care of those items. But is it okay to or donate our bodies? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, I think it's commendable. I think it's a great thing. And again, some of us may donate and they may be rejected. Okay, that does happen. That does happen. And so you were planning a donation. Be, be, be cautious on this. You're planning for a person, I'm going to donate my body. My body will probably be with Hershey for a year, which is typical of the thing. And then it's cremated, and uh, somebody's got to pick it up. And so this is all the preparations we made, and we didn't make any, and all of a sudden we find out they reject the body. Now you have to make other preparations, and so that can be a little bit challenging, but... Um, I know we live in a day, I guess, recycling ourselves is the, uh, is the new term for organ donor. Here's one for you. Is there something I can do to make it easier for my family before a death occurs? To just process this whole thing. What do I do for my kids? What do I do? Some of you are parenting, and you're, you're going to run into this. You're going to have family members that pass away. What do I do with the kids? Should I take the kids to a funeral? Shouldn't I take them? Some of you who are adults... Have, have told me that you have never in your life been to a funeral, ever, until all of a sudden it's a close loved one that passes away, and you're not sure how to, how to deal with that. Um, so I'm giving you a lot of personal opinion on this, because there is no specific scripture that says, what do we do? But, but there are several things that are very, very, uh, very practical here. Don't avoid exposing your family to the reality of death. You know, the, one of the beauties, this, this sounds really crass, one of the beauties of having pets, one of the benefits, it, it takes us through the process. You know, that, that sounds horrible, and you say, you're, you're an animal hater. No, I'm not, okay? Could I, could I be influenced to hasten up some animals, you know, put them out of their living misery? 
Okay, um, that's a whole other discussion. But but uh, animals, you know, we didn't have pets. We had kids, um, and we had fish. I had fish for one reason. It could help me teach my kids about life and death, because this was an important part of living. Is death is a part of life. And so we would use that as an occasion. Now, you get into little kids, and they're talking about you know, having the burial at the toilet, um, you know, and where does the fishy soul go, and all those things, which are interesting conversations. But to, to talk about it, you know, it doesn't have to be morbid, and you talk about what happens next, especially as a believer, okay? using this as teachable moments. I think, and we did this, we, with care, we had our kids go to funerals. We had them show up just so they would understand the process. More importantly, that they would understand we're trying, to ban- we're trying to be there for other people. And they, as believers, are going to need to be there for other people. And so I know in our society, we, you know, funerals don't want to deal with them, but we need to help one another out. We need to minister to one another. And so when we're going through this, we need to know how to do that. And so taking our kids... Now, I, I, I know that some, it's very challenging... Some of you have shared the stories that when a grandparent died, your parents made you go there and to kiss the person and you know, to hug the grandparent who was in the casket, and that was traumatic. I guess that could be. Okay? I guess that could be. And so being careful with how you expose your kids and, and let them understand and know, I think there's wisdom in doing that with care, um, teaching your kids how to console the best way your kids are going to learn that is seen by your example. If you don't console, if you just ignore people who have death in their, in their household and you don't reach out, you're teaching your kids something. You're teaching them you know, that that's okay, that people that you don't need to do that. And yet scriptures, by the example of Christ, says you're supposed to. You're supposed to minister to people that way. Making adequate provisions for your family, making sure now this is helpful, this is helpful how you can help your family to prepare. And so some of us, as we get a little bit older in our age, there are some things we could be doing. Um, some of this is dealing with banks. Some of this is dealing with funerals. Probably the people that could answer it best is Heather could answer better on things about funeral and funeral planning. And I would encourage you, ask her, since that's her expertise. If you, um, if you have banking questions and you say, hey, how does this work? Bob might be able to help you better than I could on some of the particulars because that's his expertise, okay? And Eric, you might be able to help people in the same thing. Both of you are in the banking industry on some of these things of accounts. But let me suggest a few things, and you can ask the experts later, what things you may want to consider. You may want to consider, especially if you're by yourself anymore, you may want to consider this idea of power of attorney if, if in case you're incapacitated. Okay, that doesn't mean that they control your whole life. There's different levels of what you can do here. Okay, but if it's just you and your, your spouse, you may want to consider somebody as a backup. You may want to consider somebody with medical power of attorney. There's differences in these different, different levels and how they can be set up. You may want to consider adding somebody to your bank account. The reason being is if all of a sudden you're incapacitated and you're the only person on that bank account, what happens? Nobody can, nobody can be doing the, the account. Who pays the normal bills? How does, how does the utilities get paid? How does that important cable bill get paid? How does the phone bill get paid? And having somebody on the, on the account with limitations, and you can set these up, different banks, different states. 
For instance, when my mother-in-law was in her, um, in her last couple of years and she, was, she had some limitations, my wife could be on her account, but she didn't own the account. My wife couldn't make any, make any decisions as to who to add or who to take away, but she could still process and handle the paperwork and the accounts. And then in my, my dad's case, my two younger brothers, their names were on the accounts. So when my dad expired, the accounts were still accessibility to continue to pay things, to continue to manage the finances, and not wait until all of a sudden we go through a court probating process, which could take a period of time. Um, in fact, if you are at the spot like in my dad, it was him alone, uh, our encouragement was put another person on the deed of your house. You can do that with limited expenses. That way, if you expire, what happens with the house? They can handle it. They could still uh, deal with the sale of the house, things of that sort, in a very expeditious uh, manner rather than wading through the whole process of probating, um, setting up trust for younger heirs, determining who will be heir executor. This should be done. This should be considered. Okay? Um, especially in some of these cases that when you're making plans, you should be doing this. You should be maintaining a death file. I don't have another term for it, but you should have this. Every one of you should have this. A death file is this. It is some place where you have personal documents spelled out, listed out, so that if something were to happen to you in life or in death, somebody that you have informed knows where this paperwork is. They can, access, they can access it. Don't say, I have a will, and everything's in the will. The will takes time to probate, typically. Where a death file can get some things processed in a, in a, in a quicker fashion. Personal documents, okay? The Social Security, military information. Heather, is there anything I'm missing up there that if they start meeting with you, you need that information? Does that cover some of the basics? Okay. Um, that is right away. Okay, if you have a death in your family and you need to go and meet with the funeral home, you need this information. Okay, you need some of the uh, that bulk of that information. Uh, bank accounts. If all of a sudden um, this has happened, we have had individuals whose parents have had bank accounts, savings accounts, CDs, whatever, that they, they uh, extended between multiple banks because they didn't want everything in one, you know, all the eggs in one basket. But the family didn't know where these different banks were. They, have no, they didn't have any idea. And so in order to process things, to get things taken care of, the, you need to have the information. If you don't have the information of where the account is, does the U.S. government have funds where there are unclaimed accounts? Okay? Um, insurances. In, not all insurances, excuse me, somebody didn't turn off my phone. Um, in insurances, are there ever unclaimed life insurance policies? Okay, why? Because families didn't know that there was a policy. Pension records, okay? If, if some of these pensions that people have, they could have a death benefit to them, they could have other, all this information that you could have together would really be helpful. Here's why. You pass away, you and your wife, you and your, you know, whatever. The family has to get this paperwork quickly. Where do you start? Do you, do you have any idea where you'd start with your parents? If that were the case? You know, uh, prior to this, prior to this, I would have had no clue where to go in my parents' house. Okay, there's a desk. But there was also boxes in the freezer. 
That, that was for their frozen assets. That they had, you know, <laughs> they had stuff like that. We, and, and you know how frustrating it is for a family to have to go through paperwork under the gun? We had somebody pass away in the, during COVID. And um, the issue was, there, who is the heir? Who gets everything? Because they were by themselves and they passed away. And so there was a mad rush to try to figure out and go through the place and to go through the house. But, but they lived there by themselves. And so it's extremely difficult, extremely difficult to find the paperwork, to try to put it together. Well, okay, you're, you've got this laid out for your family. So that if something happened, or, or take, take this information to your parents or somebody who's elderly, encourage this so that there's a source. What a relief and taking the pressure off. Any, any kinds of deeds that are there uh, for those types of things. Um, funeral plans. You say, I put my funeral plans in the will, but if the will isn't probated or read right away, it could, that, could, that could take place after the funeral. So make sure you have any funeral plans in this file, inheritance guidelines, passwords to computers. <laughs> we live in a new age, don't we? But have your passwords. Have so that they can have access to these accounts so that it's in the cloud. And I know what some of us are thinking right away is I don't want to put this all down in case some blood-sucking relative gets a hold of it and they bleed us dry. Okay? Be cautious, be careful, whoever you tell where this is. But, but as well, you're, this information is critical. It is absolutely critical. Name of insurance agents, lawyer. Uh, how to contact relatives. We are living in a day and age that is new. We have blended families. We have second, third marriages. People have died, remarried. People have divorced, remarried. There is still, in the state of Pennsylvania... There is still the laws that are in place that anybody who is a biological offspring, if there's no wills, there's no nothing, they still have accessibility to the assets. And so somebody has to be able to contact, somebody has to be able to know where they are, and so all those different relationships, especially if, if it's got a situation, his, hers, and ours, have all that information and contact. Maintaining and updating a will, what are some of the most basic reasons why you should have a will? Okay. What's that? Okay, directions, what you like done? Okay. For those of you who are younger... What is really a critical reason why you should have a will? Guardianship of your kids, of your minors. Okay, it should be there. It guarantees your assets be distributed the way you want. And again, in the, unless this has changed in the last year, in Pennsylvania, if there's no will, who becomes, if all of a sudden the husband dies, who becomes the heir? Not state. Okay. If, if, if the person is married and has children, who becomes the heir? Okay. Um, in the state of Pennsylvania, if it hasn't changed in the last year, the wife, 50%, and the kids, the other part. Okay. And again, we're talking about minors or older children. Now, if there is a blended family and there's, there's um, children who are, what do we, how do we want to put this? Um, What's that? Step, uh, biological children who are distanced. Okay? They still have claim. 
Um, so some of this can get really complicated. Don't assume, okay, uh, again, check it out as far as how PA may have changed things, but as of a year ago in a case we were dealing with, it became very, very convoluted. Protection of minor children reduces delays or squabbles. Can you ever get away from family squabbles when dividing up things? Does it ever happen that it's always pe- everybody's peaceful? We would hope and pray that it does, okay? An opportunity, here to me is just, this this would be driving force, an opportunity to witness and invest in God's ministry. Even after you passed away, you can still be ministering, you can still be investing. You can still be doing God, work in the Lord, laying up treasures. Um, If you have certain items that you want to go to specific individuals, what should you do? Why don't you list it out? Why don't you list it out? Or even better yet, give it now. Give it now and enjoy the blessing. Enjoy the blessing of, of giving those items to those individuals you know, uh, and to avoid all those different conflicts. Um, if you have personal desires for your funeral, do not list this in your will only, as I said, because of the, the idea of probating. And if somebody doesn't know it's listed there, well, it could take time. So make sure that if you have funeral planning, that's being done, which is the most fun topic that people want to talk about. Okay, and let's take just a couple minutes. Is, there, is it a wise thing to do some pre-planning for your funeral? Okay, is it helpful? Some of you have gone through it. Was it helpful that your partner, your family member, your parent, some of you have been there, that they had already made some of the decisions and you didn't have to? Any of you have that situation? Yes? Okay, okay. Um, it seems so morbid in, in uh, you know, this, this was our family situation. Mom and Dad, we need to talk about these things. I don't want to talk about it. If I talk about it, it's probably going to happen. Okay. And it's like, no, you didn't hasten up your death by planning for it. But it's really important. It relieves your loved ones of the pressure of making many hard decisions. The decisions that need to be made, real quickly. Somebody dies. You're the one that's there that has to make decisions. What kind of things do you have to decide within hours? Okay, are we going to do disposition of the body? What are we going to do with the body? And one of the big questions that people will ask is, well, I don't know what they wanted. Okay? Now, my kids knew for years, I told you this, my kids were, we're going to burn you in church. We're going to put you in the burn barrel, and we're going we're to just burn you there. It's cheaper. You're there all the time anyway, so we'll just use the burn barrel. And they were so disappointed that neighbors moved in, and we had to get rid of the burn barrel. So now they've got to come up with another plan. Okay? So if I pass away, I'm still here. You'll probably see me bobbing in the baptistry. No, 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 no. No, that's, that's even grosser. Okay. So it's, part of this is trying to figure out. Okay, so you have to make the disposition of the body. You've got to figure out caskets. You've got to figure out the service. You've got to figure out, um, you know, what, do, they, do they want flowers or do they want something else or all these different things. And they're... they're you know, in the middle of the crises of a death, these aren't fun things to have to decide. They need to be, and so it's a difficult time. You can reduce expenses. Okay, you can reduce expenses by pre-planning. Okay, now when you're pre-planning, let's, let's, not, let's not do this. Okay, let's not say that every undertaker is trying to rip you off. Let's not conclude that because Heather's sitting here. Okay. <laughs> it's not true. 
But are there some that, uh, that sometimes it's like I've sat with multiple people and just say, yeah, and I, here's a beautiful casket. It's $20,000. It's got a wonderful stereo system. <laughs> it's even got a remote control. And if you really want to show your love for your, for your father, I'm sure he would love this casket. And I'm like, you don't need that one. You don't need that one. Okay. They can't hear you. <laughs> He's not going to be able to go too far up anyway in that casket. Okay. And so, yes, have there been some cases where some people are hucksters? By the way, let me, let me just put it. Are there preachers who are hucksters and ripping people off? Yes, okay. So in any business, you have it. Okay, and so you're pre-planning, and you're trying to be cautious and careful. And different ways of, as you pre-plan, there's different costs. Um, you know, you don't even have to go through a funeral home anymore. Do realize that, right? You can have, well, they are a funeral home, but you can have some, you can hire these cremation societies, just come and pick up the body and cremate right away, right out of the house after there's been, obviously, the death certificate and all. Um, you can buy caskets online. There's a, there's a variety of ways you can handle this. Can, I, can you bury in your backyard? Pennsylvania doesn't have anything stated. Okay? Pennsylvania, its townships may have something stated, but if you get permission from your township... Okay, you may be able to use your backyard. Okay, you say, well, they have to have a crypt. And they have to have, those aren't determined by the state. The, the cemeteries determine all of what's needed. Um, and so there's a, there's a variety of what, now some of you got some ideas going really quick. Okay, okay. so you're pre-planning and you're thinking about this. You choose the funeral home. You choose the disposition, the benefit. You can direct memorial gifts. And if you plan your own, you can make sure the gospel is preached. You can make sure. Now, some of this gets into uh, questions about what about cremation? In the Christian community for generations, cremation has been looked down upon, uh, has been discounted. And one of the reasons was going through scriptures, Typical dealing with believers throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, what did they typically do with the disposition of a body? They buried it. They used a grave. Who typically burned bodies in the Old Testament? The heathen. The heathen in part of their sacrifice. So for years in the Christian community, it was looked at that cremation is something that is very paganistic and heathenistic. What do you think? I'll pick up on next week. Okay, you can talk about it.